Hello, and welcome to the Green Tea Party, where we discuss conservative solutions to environmental problems. I'm Hannah Rogers. My name is Zach Torpy. Together, we will guide you through complex issues and provide strategies to address them, all while remaining faithful to our conservative values. Yeah, it's a party. So grab your mugs, and we're going to pour the tea. All right, Zach. I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. How, how's your New Year's? Do you have any uh, New Year's resolutions? I have so many resolutions, actually. So, my resolutions are to, number one, graduate college. This is my graduating semester. And to find a really cool job in climate. I want to be working in climate for the rest of my life. So, I'm looking for jobs right now. If anybody knows of any that I would be good to suit for, feel free to send me an email. And I also have a New Year's resolution of being able to do three pull-ups last year. I could only do two. Now I'll be able to do a third. Believe it or not, I have a very, very long arms compared to my body size. And so it's a long way for me to go the pull-up. <laughs> so it, I feel like adding one more pull-up onto that is pretty good. And I want to run my fourth marathon. So I'll be running. I believe you'll get that. <laughs> And I want to run one more marathon, and then I think I might be done marathon running for a while. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I'll pass on the marathons. That's not not my vibe. I'll do pull-ups, not marathons. You know what's <laughs> funny? In marathon running, for me, like the first 18 and a half miles, I'd say, are easy. I can just do the first 18 and a half miles, real good pace, consistent pace. But those last eight miles, oh my gosh. Never thought my body could go through so much pain. So this year, I want to like have muscle mass, have like a good lean muscle mass, so that I'm like, you know, in a in tip top shape, so that I can, you know, cross the four hour threshold. If that makes any sense. I have a goal never to run a marathon in my life, and I've accomplished that goal so far in my life. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have any other New Year's resolutions. Maybe to travel more, to spend more time with people I love, to get better sleep, to eat healthier. I don't know. All my marathon, not my marathon, my New Year's resolutions are just kind of like very wholesome oriented, if that makes sense. Nice. Anyways, speaking of the new year, for this episode, we're going to be talking about an article that was published in The Atlantic last month. Some of you may have read it, some of you may not have, but we wanted to talk about it because I think it has, has some pretty good points, don't you, Zach? Yeah, it was an interesting read. The Atlantic, on December 4th, 2023, published an article called The Climate Can't Afford Another Trump Presidency. And it's by Zoe Schlanger. Apologies, Zoe, if I pronounced your name wrong. But we want to talk about it because I felt like it made some pretty good points, didn't you? Yeah. It's a lot of the global leadership implications for the U.S. with regards to um, climate leadership and how under Trump we stepped away. And under Trump, we would likely step away again. Yeah. So let's let's go back to like the Trump campaign in 2016. So I wasn't old enough to vote at the time, believe it or not, when Donald Trump was running for president in 2016, I was in eighth grade. So <laughs> I was, a, this is about 10 years ago now, I was a child, but I remember I like really closely followed the the election because I was very politically engaged. And getting pretty nervous about it, getting really stressed, as everyone does. I noticed that Donald Trump just, like, ignored the issue of climate change and would say things like, you know, we're going to drill more, we're going to revive coal country, all that kind of stuff. Clean coal. Clean coal, yeah. 
the reason why he did this is because at the time in 2016, a lot of these blue collar red state people were working in coal or fossil fuel industry, right? And so they saw climate change and renewables as kind of a threat to their employment, right? I think it's interesting we're seeing the transition of our economy go from more fossil fuel reliant and transitioning more to renewables and more jobs being reliant on that transition. In 2016, ignoring climate and even like poking fun at it and saying that, you know, climate activists are threatening blue collar American workers jobs was like a really good political strategy. But since now a lot of those blue collar jobs in these red states are actually underneath renewable projects, they're in more environmentally oriented projects. I don't think ignoring climate change is a good strategy for him. I mean, that's just one reason why ignoring climate change is a bad strategy for him. On top of the fact that, you know, we're starting to see more of the effects of climate change now than we were in 2016. And so people are getting worried about his him ignoring it. Yeah, it's becoming much more of an issue. People are becoming much more aware of it. It's less of a debate now than it was back then. Even like conservatives are becoming more concerned about the the environment and what we're doing to it and how it's going to impact our future, how it's going to impact the economy. And it's like, is investing 10 cents today worth saving the dollar would cost to mitigate what happens in the future? I was really into Donald Trump when he was being elected. Trust me, guys, I, I'm not a, a Democrat in disguise, a Joe Biden supporter in disguise, going on the radio talking about how much I care about climate change. I really was excited about Donald Trump. I really thought he was going to do a whole lot. My family comes from Magna, Utah, coal mining city. And I thought he was going to do a lot for my family. And what he promised was that he was going to get rid of all these environmentalists, all these people who cared about climate change. And so that people like my family who were coal miners would be able to have better incomes, keep their jobs and all that kind of stuff. And that just didn't happen. And on top of that, when he pulled himself out of the Paris Climate Accords in 2015, he promised that we were bringing climate policy back to the United States, that we were going to do climate policy domestically instead of internationally. And he didn't deliver on that either. So I am here, a conservative Republican who, you know, is very pro-life. One of, aside from climate, pro-life issues is one of the other things I am a hardcore, you know, single interest voter on, Right. I'm in a rock and a hard place. Do I vote for Joe Biden or do I vote for Donald Trump? Donald Trump has consistently showed me that he does not deliver on his promises around climate change. And Joe Biden, you know, all his new land leases to fossil fuel companies, I'm not too happy with that either. But I feel like what Joe Biden has done for the climate has been way better than what Donald Trump did, right? Yeah. I mean, this country, I mean, this the planet could barely afford another Joe Biden presidency as we're reaching peak oil production in the world by a country this year at 13.3 million barrels a day. And yeah, Joe Biden's not like the environmentalist president that the right calls him and he's not the, and he's not the environmentalist savior that a lot of progressives wanted him to be. So it's, he was in the middle of the candidate that didn't really please anyone and has continued to not really please anyone. But Donald Trump just really isn't interested in talking about climate, doesn't really believe in it. 
from the way he talks and isn't concerned about the impact it will have. And to be fair, neither of them are going to be alive in like 10 years or when you start getting impacts from climate change. They're both way too old to ever feel any impacts from the actions they take today. So why are they concerned? You're so right. Like, I just, you know what is so frustrating about this? I want, this is what I've been saying till I've been blue in the face, until my, my neck is all red with rage and my my throat is sore from how much I've been talking about it. Why aren't more Republicans running on environmental issues? Like, we, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Everyone is aware of how big of a problem it is. Everyone is caring about it, especially the young people. And now we're stuck between two old farts who, you know, seem to not be able to keep their crap together for five seconds and stop embarrassing this country. And I'm like, gosh, someone competent who cares about the planet, who isn't going to screw us over into some socialist democracy or socialist country or whatever, please run. Yeah, it's on the conservative side. You have there. The progressives have lost, left a lot of the leeway and space for Republicans just to edge a little more to the environment. They don't even have to come that far to just oh, to just swoop in and grab all the um, centrals, independents, and more centralist voters who just want some action. They want some plan. They want any idea instead of denialism and refusing to take action and just voting down Paris Climate Accord and avoiding all steps towards rules, even when Renewables are now becoming economic. Yeah. Well, okay. This is another thing I like to talk about. So people are always talking about like the urgency of climate change, if that makes sense. Like how how urgent it is that we do something. And the news, I feel like, does a really bad job of depicting how urgent it is because they're just going to scare the crap out of you. But it is super urgent. And I totally get what this article is saying by saying we can't have another climate deadbeat president in office for four years because we don't have four years in terms of emission scenarios in terms of the of of climate to just have someone floundering ignoring it or you know i guess in terms of joe biden sleeping on it right <laughs> that's a good one yeah like we can't like you know i i'm so sad that you know it, Joe Biden is 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 just going to do slightly more than Donald Trump is because I you know I I'm a really big fan of what Joe Biden has done with investing in public infrastructure for example like the light rail between Las Vegas and and LA is huge and like making sure that we're having more public transportation instead of just subsidizing EVs which I think subsidizing EVs is just egregious and it's you know kind of reinforcing a car centric economy and society which I'm not the biggest fan of so I'm, I'm really happy with some of the things that Joe Biden has done because he's at least done something, you know. The bar is so low. You know, it is so low. It is. It is so so low. And I, I, I guess what we gotta we gotta say is that this is why local elections and state elections and county elections matter even more in these next four years because those are the people who are going to have real impacts on the climate. I mean, the president can only do so much. He does kind of set the standard. And, you know, I'd rather have some standard than no standard, if that makes sense. Yeah. it's So we need someone who is willing to be a leader and really just take the steps and, like, discuss this, bring this into the public domain and 
keep it on on as a discussion point for everyday readers of like news articles and voters because we need people to be focused on climate and its impacts that are going to affect the future and joe biden doesn't do a good job of that and trump doesn't he keeps it in the news more by saying it's not happening and saying he's not going to do anything but okay so i we have another i have a question what do you think about the fact that emissions dropped so much during the trump administration I think that is just the, it shows the natural transition into of economics as renewables become more economic and we transition away from coal, like natural gas produces a lot less emissions than coal and it's a lot more economic. I think the levelized cost of emissions of coal as of 2022 was about $90 and the levelized cost of emissions of let's say onshore wind was $31, but natural gas was $43. So it shows that gas is much cheaper than coal, but renewables are starting to beat natural gas, which is why they beca- they're becoming more economical and more, we're getting a natural way of renewables coming as people invest and see the economic benefit of investing in this type of energy. Yeah, it, it's it's the invisible hand. It's, it's free market capitalism at play showing that renewables are a viable alternative, if not the best option that we have for the American people and for the environment. And so I 100% agree with what you said, Zach. Like, you know, while the government didn't do much to make those renewables less expensive, you know, it's just the way that things were going. And a huge point about this is COVID had a huge role in the fact that emissions dropped significantly during the Trump presidency because no one was flying. No one was was going on road trips. Not burning you know? much fuel when you're just uh, trapped in your house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I guess a lot of our emissions came from, you know, a lot of us playing Animal Crossing or watching Tiger <laughs> King together, right? Oh, Tiger King. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I watched an episode of that the other day, and I was like, well, this is such a throwback to 2020. He so, did request a pardon from Trump. I don't think he, it was granted, though. <laughs> really? Wasn't Donald Trump a huge fan of, of Joe Joe Exotic, though, or something? I can't remember. I think he just thought he was funny, <laughs> which he was. Uh, oh, my crazy. I mean, I, I mean, Joe Exotic got us all through 2020. Thank God for Joe Exotic. I mean, <laughs> he, kind of, he kind of tortured animals. That was not a good thing as a vegan. I completely disagree with that. But I should say thank God for reality TV. <laughs> <laughs> distractions from the terror that was COVID. Yeah, and I mean, the terror that is now becoming climate change and no one is facing uh, it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So th- this, uh, th- this is like a very real thing that I think Donald Trump needs to talk about is that if he wants to win the votes of people like you and Isaac, who care so much about climate change, but we're kind of like, we're at a rock and a hard place, you know? I was I was so grateful that Donald Trump put Supreme Court justices in who are going to protect lives in the womb, the unborn lives. But when I see him not protecting future generations by ignoring climate change, it just doesn't make me that inclined to vote for him, if that makes sense. Yeah. And there's no, there isn't a Republican standard bearer right now who is advocating for the climate on the national level. Like, yeah. I'm a Nick, I'm a Nikki Haley supporter, but the way she she just every time the environment and climate comes up, she just spews it out and is like use the environment use environmentalists as like a slur against DeSantis and DeSantis who is 
has had decent environmental policy because he's from Florida and you need to protect the Everglades and be conscious of the environment down there yeah, has I, just like, uh, oh, I don't care about the environment. What are you talking about? I don't want to get involved with it, which is like, why are you running away from this when you could take over this lane of the Republican electorate and win over all the young voters who want to see some action? Yeah, I mean, like, we, we've talked about this time and time again. Like, there's not a young Republican that I'm aware of so far that I have talked to that doesn't think climate change is real, you know? I mean, like, there, I mean, I'm sure there's a few, and I just haven't ran into them, but it's like, we're all really concerned about this, and we're pretty upset that our, our politicians are just ignoring it. I just want to bring up someone who I think would be, who was shown to be a good standard bearer for what or a conservative environmentalist is on a state level, and Mark Gordon, the Republican governor of Wyoming. And he has done such a good job of understanding that investing in renewables is investing in his state and like getting this energy out will help his state the way uh, coal has helped the state and seeing like wind as a natural resource and solar as a natural resource as something worth investing in instead of something to ban and say and just be against just because there's no reason to be against something just because the other party is against it you need to understand the economic benefits of what is at hand and try and do what's best for your constituents which i think he's doing that's awesome. And I feel like, you know, what is sad is like Donald Trump could totally be that president. He could totally be that president that cares about, you know, the climate and sees how caring about the climate is also caring about the average American. You no. Know? And he, he really is kind of that politician that the blue collar. I'm, I'm thinking like cold Pennsylvania, every American, you know, relate to and kind of like get excited about. And I feel like it's so sad because those everyday Americans are also really excited about climate and he's just ignoring it. Speaking of which, as we're talking about things that Donald Trump said about renewable energy, I'm not, I'm going to butcher this quote, but he was saying that windmills were killing birds and that windmills were the number one cause of death for birds. I just thought that was hilarious because... Then the U.S. Forest Service did a study where they proved that climate change is indeed a much larger threat to bird species than windmills are. Of course, there are birds that are getting killed by windmills. But birds fly into buildings all the time. Yes. I mean, if we're really that concerned about windmills, then we should also get rid of our buildings. And I don't think Donald Trump's going to run on that, is he? And cats. Cats are cats are one of the number one killers of birds. They uh, They kill a lot every year. But we can't get rid of cats. We love our cats. Yeah, I mean, we we have repeatedly talked about how much we love our cats. Um, I don't let my cats go outside unless they're on their leash and in their backpack so they don't become little murderers. I just really do not want to see Donald Trump returning into office double-downing on this strategy. Donald Trump, if you are listening to this podcast, <laughs> please don't do whatever you are doing between 2016 and 2020 while in office again if you get reelected around the climate because i was really disappointed were you disappointed zach yeah i, I mean my expectations weren't very high for donald trump on climate and he was lower than that so yeah i have a lot of faith in the natural progression of economics and the view of renewables as a path forward and the tra transition of our economy and businesses towards renewables 
in spite of what the presidents and politicians are doing. I I think we need to be much less reliant on our government and be more independent and continue to look at the economics and choose what is best for our states and our country based on that and not based on the political wills of a couple men, couple men and women who won't be around in the next 20, 30 years. Yeah. And here's another thing about this conversation with Donald Trump getting into office. So the Atlantic article talks about how the day before Donald Trump took office, NOAA, the EPA, like all these government organizations that are there to protect the environment kind of went to like a chaotic flurry to preserve all this data that they had been you know, working on for for ages in case Donald Trump came in and was like, nope, I'm going to defund this, take this away, we don't need this. But that kind of data that NOAA and the EPA has, has global impacts. It's not just the United States that needs that kind of data, it's other countries as well. And so what happened is NOAA and the EPA, you know, swiftly moved all this data from government servers to private servers. So luckily we have two two copies of it or at least more than two copies of it and you know thank goodness for that because we probably should have had more than one copy in the first place but the sad thing is like you know climate data isn't just about climate change it's about you know how to improve like air quality where water quality yes protecting animals our forests our natural reserves agriculture this is where Donald Trump can do a lot of damage, actually, I believe, because he could appoint people that can just go after and try to destroy and neuter these organizations, such as when he appointed Scott Pruitt, who spent his entire career trying to sue to get rid of the EPA, and then was like, oh, I'm head of the EPA now. I guess I'll just dismantle from the inside. That was a nightmare, not going to lie. Like, you wrenching that again just reminds me of how stomach-churning that was to watch. <laughs> and I was just like, because I live here in Salt Lake City. And so air quality is a huge thing to me. And also being a marathon runner, like I mentioned at the beginning, I'll start training for my marathons in January, February. And by the time I'm ready to 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 run my marathon, sometimes my lungs will have given out because I've been running outside. And I've had to switch to running inside because my, my doctor told me is going for like a two-hour run outside in the air quality that Salt Lake City has is equivalent to smoking a pack cigarettes and you know like that has huge public health ramifications to just like remove access to that kind of really important helpful data from from, like making it hard for the public to access this data about the environment about the world around them and you know i would be very sad to see donald trump come back into office and do exactly what he did in 2016 dismantle every environmental aspect of our government and policy that he can and try to weaken i don't know everything yeah but i i have some confidence in the growth in environmental jobs or renewable jobs that they are becoming a more powerful constituency so i think maybe after this election going forward it may be a more powerful constituency in the republican electorate and may push politicians to understand like this is something important people are starting to care about their renewable energy jobs and their battery manufacturing plant jobs and their solar plant jobs, and that this is something we shouldn't be fighting against, but we should be encouraging and developing. Yeah. Also, Zach, how do you feel about what message to other countries we will be sending 
about climate change if we reelect Donald Trump? What do you think other countries will look at the United States and think? I think that sends the message first that it's America first, America alone. We will be doing that. You are on your own. We will be going our own route. We don't care about how this affects anyone else in the world. We're going to do what we want. And I think when we do that, other countries will take that lead and will stop taking the stop needing the efforts to curb their pollution and emissions and we'll just i don't know it'll it'll lead to more damage long term to the environment globally yeah and i i think what what's really frustrating about this america first agenda is i'm a big fan of uh making sure we prioritize ourselves before we help other countries you know i don't want to be suffering so that you know, some far off country is getting subsidies from our government, if that makes sense. I'm a big fan of that, right? But when it comes to climate change, you know, investments in renewable energy here at home is an America, it does fit the America first agenda, you know? It does go really, you know, kind of, it fits really well with this idea that that investing in our country and investing in our environment and, and protecting our environment is part of the America First agenda. Ignoring environmental problems and ignoring climate change is kind of like America very last or go to hell America agenda, if that makes sense. I was going to say, especially when those panels, batteries, windmills are being manufactured in the U.S., which the, 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 which the Inflation Reduction Act is trying to encourage, which is what we want, more production and manufacturing in the U.S., of renewable products that we can then, once we reached our goals as a country, we can then start exporting those products to other countries and become the change around the world. We should be the leaders in this industry, not the followers of China who currently lead in the exports of those products. Yeah. And and you know what? I think you're, what you're saying, I feel like is, is this is a huge opportunity. This election 2024 is a huge opportunity for either candidate to show us that they are going to invest in the United States in a way that that centers around climate and the environment and around the future. And it is just going to be so sad to see a president, either Joe Biden or Donald Trump, where we got to hold Joe Biden accountable here too, if they just let this opportunity pass and some other country take the lead and then some other countries setting the standard and is leading the conversation. We have the opportunity to be leading the conversation around climate change and just ignoring it is not not going to be the greatest for us. Discussions over the next couple of weeks because there is so much wrong with what's going on and the old not great options that we keep getting. Like South Park really had it right. It really is between a giant douche and a turd sandwich every time. And we need better options that will actually take action that we like. You know what? And this is why I I think we should get more young people running for office, more young people. Always. And not just letting it be, you know, these old, I'm going to say they're old dudes. They're, they're always old dudes. I mean, Obama was the youngest president we'd had in ages. And I, I think we need to get more young people. And Give me another Teddy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're running out of time, Zach. Any other things you want to talk about around the fact that we're a little bit, you know, my stomach's churning about this election and what else do you want to talk about? Our options may not be great, but have faith in the economics of renewables and hopefully that we will continue to push forward 
with that po- with those policies. Follow the money. Follow the money. Both presidents need to be following the money, 100%. Anyway, Zach, it was a pleasure to see you again. And I think we're going to start wrapping up the conversation. So everyone, by the way, get, get registered to vote. This is another thing I'm very passionate about. Action Please. steps. Register yeah. to vote. Yes, action steps. The action steps for this week is to register to vote. Pay attention to your local election this year. See which seats are up. Maybe run for a seat or two. I would we would love to see some of the GDPR listeners running for a seat or two. <laughs> that would be great. We would throw our full throw our full support behind them. <laughs> uh-huh. For this week's book, this book is called Saving Us by Catherine Hayhoe. Catherine Hayhoe is my climate science crush. She's incredible. She actually signed this copy for me when I met her. Aww. There was a tearful exchange. I was like, thank you for all you do for climate. And what I love about her is she is a religious evangelical climate scientist who cares very deeply about the American people and climate change. And she is making the case that caring about the climate goes along with everything that you and I and every other Republican believes in, right? If you're interested in getting early access to episodes, as well as Green Tea Party radio merch, Check us out at greenteapartyradio.com. If you have feedback, tell us what's on your mind and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And just so you know, this is our passion project. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about Donald Trump not screwing us over in 2024 to 2028 with climate. So we don't have any organizational sponsor. We're building a movement because we want the world to know that conservatives have important things to say about climate change. Conservatives like you and I, and we want other conservatives like Donald Trump to be saying important things about climate change, right? Yeah, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for listening. And if you want to hear our show on your college radio station, email us at infogreenteapartyradio.com and give us the details about your campus and your radio station. The email again is infogreenteapartyradio.com. Special thank you to all of our patrons because we could not do this without any of you. We love you all dearly. And also, I hope you had a happy new year. I, I feel bad for saying this. When is the Super Bowl? I don't watch football. Oh, <laughs> Okay, okay. I, I love football. I don't follow any team. But I just like to get together and eat food. And so I'm excited about that. Aaron Rodgers lasted three plays in this season, and I stopped watching after that. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. (laughs) We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Conservative and concerned about climate change? You're not alone. My name is Chelsea Henderson, and I host RepublicEN.org's Eco Right Speaks, bringing you weekly guest interviews and stories. John Kasich, Christine Todd Whitman, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, meteorologist Marshall Shepard. Each week, we have a conversation with an Eco Right leader, bringing you information, opinions, personal stories, and much, much more. Download, listen, subscribe, and join us each week on the Eco Right Speaks.